Meanwhile, back at the Hall of Justice, our mild-mannered podcasters were bombarded by gamma rays, bitten by radioactive bugs, mutated by toxic waste, irradiated with cosmic rays, born into a world that doesn't understand them. Hello, everybody. It is Wednesday, November the 5th, 2014, and you are listening to the Talking Comics Podcast. I am your host, Bobby Shortle. I'm in the house with Mr. Bob Ryer. Good evening. I'm on the line with Ms. Stephanie Cook. Doesn't feel like November 5th. I know. It's weird. And we're also here with Mr. Justin Townsend. I'm back. You're back again. I'm back again. Sir. Um, no Steve this week, but he'll be back next week for our Hellboy discussion, which will be, I'm guessing... Very passionate and in-depth. Yes. <laughs> My guess. So next week we are talking about Hellboy Seed of Destruction. If you guys haven't read it, pick it up, uh, check it out, and you know, follow along with us when we're doing our, our book club discussion about it. Um, and then send in your thoughts and we'll read them the, the week after. So definitely that. But this week we're going to be doing all uh, listener questions Ooh. for you guys. The second of our... I'm away on my honeymoon shows. <laughs> time travel is weird. Yeah. Time travel is very weird. But Justin, you, we had shows sometimes where we'd record the last segment, then record the first segment, then record a middle segment. I can't. When I host shows, I can't even get the date right if it's tomorrow. <laughs> so I don't know how you're doing this. There were times when we were talking, we did an interview, and then we did our books of the week, and we were talking about the interview like it already happened. But yeah, we had, we had, no one heard it yet. Gotcha. Yeah, so it's it gets rougher <laughs> when you have stuff like that than just these dates because at least we don't have anything to reference from the other yeah. shows or forget to reference or don't talk about Ex- because it didn't happen yet. Wait, oh no, it's too complicated. Exactly, exactly. Um, by the way, we had a good Halloween. Um, yeah, I'm sure ours were wonderful. Um, yeah. And who who knew those elections? I didn't know Rob Ford could run for office in America. I knew he was running from office in Canada, but who knew he could actually be mayor of Detroit? He kicked him out of office in Canada. There you go. But it's his brother's running, isn't he? He lost. He lost. But Rob Ford won a seat on the council, but at least he's not our mayor. There you go. He only had to be the most offensive human being in history <laughs> to, not, yep. to not be elected your mayor. And um, it was close. It was a very close race. It's a weird thing. It's a very, very weird thing. Um, So, well, last week we did mention quickly about She-Hulk being canceled. We talked a little bit about it. Um, And uh, Carol Cross on Twitter wants to know, could canceled books live on digitally? What do you think, Stephanie? Yes. I think we had this discussion, actually, um, on my Twitter feed. And I do think that they could live there. You know, uh, a friend of mine... uh, Mike from 2000 AD, he kind of started giving me um, reasons why they don't do that in terms of um, there's just not a large enough market on there yet. Uh, And same with uh, Janelle Aslan. She was uh, giving her two cents about um, why they don't necessarily do it and how much money actually goes into those comics. But I feel like injustice has really been proving that with the right team, it could be done. And, you know, if we want these books to uh, be big on digital, we need to push things that are digital only. You know, like if we want the change to exist, we need to support it um, and make it so that there's other exclusives outside of the Vampire Diaries. Guess what? No mm-hmm. one cares about the digital excu- exclusive for that. No one cares. Which Didn't is probably there not was true. One. People do care. People do care, but not but, enough people care. Yes, yeah. exactly. Like, if you want, you need to promote it. 
and you need to put some work into it. You can't just be like, well, it's digital, and then be like, well, it's not selling. I don't get it. Mm. Well, DC is definitely kind of trouncing Marvel in, in, in this capacity because mm. they have several ongoing digital-first series mm. that all seem to do pretty well. Yeah. Um, and when they don't do well, they can kind of cycle in and out and, and, and do things. I mean, we've seen The Legend of the Dark Knight, Adventures of Superman, now we're in Sensation Comics and Wonder Woman. You mentioned Injustice is like, by far and away, obviously the most popular of, of these things, but you also see it with, they did, they do an arrow one. They do a flash one. Um, Batman 66, Batman 66. They're doing the Batman beyond universe stuff there as well. So DC is definitely, um, trouncing them in that way, but those are all digital first comics. The idea of taking a comic that is not succeeding physically and then making it a digital book. Uh, I, I, I don't, I don't think anyone's really done that yet. Um, it, it's kind of akin to like when, a series gets canceled on a network mm-hmm. and like Netflix picks up and makes it one of their yeah. shows. You know, uh, I believe there probably is a way to do it. I think that, um, but the thing about it is if they do any sort of print run, the, cause what will happen is if the book goes digital only, there'll be people calling for the print run. Um, it's going to then, you know, take away any money they're saving doing digital only. Mm-hmm. So well, it will and it won't. Well, I mean, if you're printing comics, you're gonna you're printing comics, you know, and that's where a lot of the overhead comes from, you know, in in the business is having to print physical books, um, and if you're printing a run of them, then you're still spending that money regardless. If you know, maybe you're printing less, so it's costing less money. But I think that you really like you're saying. I I, I feel like digital is still kind of ghettoized in some way to by by the companies, you know, almost like this is the books that we believe can't make it, so they're gonna be digital. And we'll deal with it. I think they need to be able to pimp that line as something that's as vital as their their print line. Marvel did do it before. Did it with Spider Girl. Right. Book was canceled for the second time, and mm. they went digital for a while, and then printed them as part of it was Web of Spider Man, okay. and they brought it back. I think where it's perfect for is a character that you might have designs on moving forward, mm. whether it's in another team or you've got art. Uh, an artist coming on board that you need to prepare for, but instead of letting the book be canceled and go away forever, keep them digitally, but make sure what Stephanie is saying is is very apt to me. Make sure people know you're saying about pimp it, put it out there that, okay, you're not going to be able to read she Hulk, but we're going to have a digital she Hulk that'll carry you through when she's into mighty Avengers Mm. or the, it's the bridge between the two. And maybe that you, introduce other new characters while you're doing that and then continue to branch it out from there. They're already starting to do that with um, the Infinite Comics. Mm. Like before Sam Wilson picks up the shield, he has like a four-part st- uh, part story, uh, four-part story, excuse me, that's just digital that carries through up until Captain America number one. Wow. And they've been doing this with a couple of characters. They where do it's with like, Daredevil. Yeah, with, yeah, where it's like three or four issues. But it'd be interesting to see them take... Like I don't want to say Miss Marvel, but we know that that book supposedly sells much more digitally than it does in yeah. print. If that book ever got into danger, let's just say, you know, God forbid, that they could throw that book. That would be like to me, that would be the book to do it in if it's selling more digitally than it is in print. Mm. Where you could take this character that everybody loves and be like, okay, print maybe is gone for now, but here's digital where it's selling the most anyway, and that could be the first in what could be many books to do that. Mm. What uh. I think is interesting is that. W- I mean, Seven, you were mentioning about kind of the, on Twitter, was it Janelle talking about the prices mm. of how to do all this stuff? It's yeah. very interesting to me because I don't, uh, it's all speculation from my point of view about how, what the difference is in printing, uh, doing physical versus the digital books. You know, what, what is the really, what are they really saving doing the digital only stuff if it sells less? You know, I don't know how that all shakes out. Yeah. Uh, her, like Mike Mulcher from again, 2000 AD and then like Philip Hester, Mm-hmm. Um, artist, they all kind of got into it, and it was a really interesting debate um, on w- what you would need to make it successful. Right. But apparently, like, I mean, Janelle's saying there's a lot of costs that go into it, but I mean, I don't really see that. I mean, like, there's definitely costs, obviously, but they can't be as much as. Print. Yeah, exactly. Right. And I still think that it's a lot more affordable to uh, release it digitally for like, say six issues of the first arc of something. And then you can still do trade paperback, you know, stores can return that. And uh, it's a lot more uh, friendly to booksellers and uh, 
big shops, Costco, uh, Walmart, all kinds of things like that, Toys R Us, um, as opposed to just selling individual issues and being behind on them and not being able to, like you can get them monthly if you want digitally and then you can collect them physically from basically anywhere and it's just a lot more friendly overall and I think they could make more money that way. Yeah, I think they're also still scared to piss off comic book shops. I think that's the other part of it too. I think that's the other problem with this. I think it's... Well, they're canceling the books anyway, so... No, I, I agree with you. I'm not, I'm not saying it logically hmm. makes sense, but I'm saying like if, if they go, okay, so we're not going to sell this book... If, if let's say She-Hulk goes digital only and sells gangbusters, you know, um, and then they go, well, well, maybe we're not having to share profits with Diamond. We're getting yeah. all of it ourselves. So let's maybe let's try a Avengers book digital only. And then like all, all of a sudden the shops are freaking out because there's an Avengers book that they don't get to put on their shelves. And I think that I don't think that that's I, I think. Oh fighting God, a- we only have six other Avengers books <laughs> on ourselves. I think fighting against change is is a problem. It, it happens in every industry. It happens in music. It happens in movies. It happens in TV. In it happens games. everywhere. In games. Yeah, games is it, happening right now. Yeah, it happens everywhere. A- and eventually the people who don't get with the, the change get run over. Uh, and I think that what the, the problem here is that there has to be a way... F- shops are terrified that this is going to take away their business and right now most of the money that marvel and dc makes are through those shops so they're scared to to piss them off i I think that there's a way that both can coexist because as we've seen with ms marvel there's a whole section of people who are not going to walk into a shop no matter what the hell you do so just let them buy the book the way they want to buy it and and the people who want to go into shop they'll go in as well you know but you you can't be scared and i i think it was um amanda palmer said you have to you can't make rules to force people to do things the way you want to do them. You have to give them a reason to want to, to, to buy your product, not force them to do it because they have to. Right, yeah. Let's say that as DC's digital books are basically two stories that become one when you buy it in print. Mm-hmm. You, get a sli- you get a real cover and all the rest yeah. of it, so there's you get a bonus for yeah. buying mm-hmm. the book at, at, at a better price maybe. Yeah. Or it has... Better paper. We mm. we start for the for five dollars a comic. I should the paper is better than it was when I was a kid when it was newsprint, mm. but it's still not as good as it was when they went to the Baxter paper years. It was kind of thick and a little right. like cardstock. So give me an extra story. Give me letter pages mm. again. Give me something that makes the book then more attractive and forces me into the store. Yeah. If I can download the thing and get the exact same story and fi- have some way to save it, mm-hmm. what, what Comixology is yeah. doing, that why wouldn't I want to do that? I right. can own the thing now, not just rent it. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. It, it's, you're exactly right. There has to be. You should be creating reasons to walk into the store, not putting up walls to stop mm-hmm. you from buying it some some other way. Um, and there are people who do that. Like Brubaker is very big on that. Brubaker and Phillips are very big on putting things into their physical editions yeah. that don't show up in the digital editions. Or the trade. Yeah, or the yeah, trade. Fatal yeah. had and, and Velvet have both, the issues have had essays and really good ones in the single issues that don't show up in the trade. Or we were talking before about the sex criminals, just the tips that's on the way. It's all the stuff that was not in that trade. Yeah. Now, now, to Image's credit, those trades are $10 when yes, they come out. absolutely. Which is awesome, but now here are the extras if you want to get them. Yeah. Um, so this is from Joe Tremonte, and he says, how big is, this is very apt what we are just talking about, how big is the store to your comic book experience? It doesn't add much to it for me anymore. Um, Justin. It's funny that you mentioned this because I was going to my LCS for 20 years. And I stayed with them, even though they were the worst. They Not that they weren't nice guys. I mean, I heard stories. I know what LCS you you went to. They are the worst. They are the worst. (laughs) They were nice to me. I mean, I've been going there for so long. You know, obviously, first name basis. Asked about my family and everything. Um, But I could never get my order right. I I was missing things all the time. There were books that I missed just because they never stocked them. Like, I missed issues of green lantern and avengers and it was like i had to constantly be on top of what they were on top of to make sure that i didn't miss anything and honestly i would still be going there because i felt like a loyalty with them because i've been with them for so long right or wrong doesn't matter until i met rob and when i met rob rob's like well i can give you a better deal and i'm like yeah i know but like and then there was one thing it was just like i ordered this book from them 
and it took five after five weeks i still hadn't had it and i was just like i i can't i can't do this anymore and i i don't even get to go i don't even go to a comic book store rob brings me my comics every <laughs> wednesday so like it's not obviously it's not essential to me although i will say that i i went into one of the best comic book stores in america in austin and i was blown away it was like being in a candy shop it's like the difference there if there was a store like that i mean fourth world is is here and it's a very big store on long island but this this store was like I, it was huge, and it had everything, and it's just like, I just want to walk around here forever. If your yeah. store is like that, then yes, I could understand being the experience, and like everybody was sitting there talking about the books and having conversations with each other, having conversations with the employees, and I was like, this is great, but I get that with you guys. Right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I mean, I, I think I'm kind of there with you. I mean, I, I, I barely go into the shop anymore. I get physical books still, but um, – because of Rob, I don't really have to go into the shop anymore um, because it's not open when I'm out of work. So yeah. it's tough to get there. Uh, you know, I, I think that b- because it's where I befriended Rob and, and got to know Rob, it, that idea of it is still very big in my mind, you know. But I, I think that, like you said, great stores, and I'm sure Stephanie can attest this when she talks about the Silver Snail, uh, are, are, are stores that make you want to be there. You know, for the most part, uh, like last year or two years ago we used to spend like i used to not be working on wednesday I used to spend time mm-hmm. talking about comics and stuff like that and that was fun you know that experience of like you're all in the same place and then you all go out and get a slice of pizza and hang out that's a great feeling but uh, the the actual act of going to a store you know it's so less for me in everything now you know whether it be comic books or movies or tv or video games actually going to a store mostly because stores have become so impersonal now it's not like you go to best buy and you have a wonderful experience with customer (laughs) service you know it's not really i'd rather just order it online and have it show up in my door than didn't have to weed through unorganized shelves and people who don't really give a shit about what i'm doing um so the store overall for me has become a, a much a much smaller part of my life um stephanie what about you um i mean i've been going to the snail less and less but not because um of anything it's doing just because i've been away in hermiting and stuff but i was there yesterday uh which is like three weeks ago <laughs> they don't uh, know time that, travel um but anyways uh, i was there uh on wednesday i guess i'll just say and uh you there's a cafe and I have friends from all different websites that are there writing reviews for comics, sitting around talking over coffee. We're sharing stories and working and picking up our new comics. And it's, it's like comic book club, you know? Um, it's, it's not exclusive. Like some person sat down beside me and started talking to me and, I definitely maybe was like, I don't know who you are, but I didn't not talk to him. <laughs> I sure did talk to him. Um, I probably do know who he is and I've just forgotten. But anyways, my point <laughs> being is it's a community and, um, you know, you go in and it's not just for picking up your comics and leaving. I, I don't think I can go in there without seeing at least one person that I know and having a conversation at this point, which is awesome. It's fun. And it makes um, the whole experience of buying comics just a lot more satisfying. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, Bobby, you have an uh, inter- interesting take on this, right? Because you've been doing it for a long time. Also, you've were re- you been in retail, retail for a very long time. Right. Yeah. So to me, any creative outlet, where, you, where your art as commerce, really it's an interaction with store owners and workers, cus- other customers, and it is that shared experience. That's changed with all the digital things, but I still find it's, it's less for me than it was. It used to be I'd hang out on New Comic Book Day with you guys. Or years back when the books were being delivered in the, literally in the middle of the night. They'd show up at midnight for Thursday, for Friday's delivery, and I'd be there at Long Island Comics with Frank and the other guys, and we'd unload boxes. And that's when, okay, a book sold 300,000 copies. And so he'd have 300 copies of X-Men on the counter and hordes of people clamoring for books. And the energy in a room is so much as people talk and argue. And some of it's the stupid, well, could the Hulk be throwing a fight? <laughs> but then others are about artists and writers and arcs and the history of books. 
And I still find, mostly because I'm a big mouth with a soapbox, I'll go in a store and people sort of know what we do and questions arise and stuff happens and then discussions, arguments, appreciations. And you don't, yeah, you get that online, you type it, it isn't quite the same as there. And when all the comic shops are gone, except a few big ones, they're coming. I mean, it, it's collapsing. The whole industry mm. is compressing down into the, 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 either the long-term guys who have enough leftover people that they can hang in or new people with great ideas who try something different. They make it, as, I guess, the snail is where it's a cafe. And you add something else, or you see what a skate pod did in Huntington, where it's kids' days and cosplay contests, or the big guys at Midtown and Forbidden Planet and so on, Fourth World 2 to a certain extent. The regular little corner guy where your friend who you used to collect comic with is sitting there behind the, the counter selling his own collection off at some point. It's now a real business, or it's complete labor of love, and there's none of that in between. And we, we let that go a little bit. You know, we all chased better places some of them deserve to be gone the place you're talking about justin sounds like one of them yeah i mean no they, names no names please no names, but, but yeah you would just go in there and i'd be like oh hey did you did you read like they you could tell that they were totally out of it like, yes uh that, i don't that it sucks or like it, like just super negative about everything and it was just like nah like their, their hearts were not into it and honestly like it broke it really broke me to leave them like i felt awful about it and having that conversation where like i don't want you guys to pull for me anymore and they were assholes about it like straight really? up 110 percent assholes and that made it even worse and I, like I, I told them i was like look i just i'm not reading as much it's just like you know with my son around and stuff it's just i you know i've been going digital that's just the way i'm doing it i'm buying it through you guys so you get some sort of credit yeah. and he was just like yeah whatever like do what you got to do and it's just like you know i've been coming to you for 20 years yeah. and that's all yeah. you got to yeah, say right. so like those stores those stories can go like Absolutely. I have no problem. Like that, that that turned me off completely, and now I feel no regrets about leaving. I wish I had done it sooner. Mm. All right, Bob. I know you had a couple of forum questions, right? Did you? Sure. Yeah, why don't you read one out for okay. us? This one I really may require some thought, but we had. Uh, I don't have the name of the person who asked this, but okay. you may have it in front of me. <laughs> in that Batman and Spider Man seem to share a similar origin tragedy with parents and or parental figures. And this person postulated that, well, you know, Bruce and Peter would benefit from each other's company. They could be buddies. <laughs> uh, you know, contrast and compare. Peter Parker and, and, and Bruce, Bruce Wayne, Wayne and their origin and what's, what relationships their tragedies have with the way they address their situations. Justin, why don't you start a... The first thing I thought of when this question came up was in the 90s, there was that DC-Marvel crossover. Mm. And when that ended... Uh, they kept doing crossover books for a little while, not related to anything, but they had a Batman-Spider-Man crossover, yeah. and it dealt with the Joker and Carnage. And then Spider-Man had to stop the Joker, Batman had to stop Carnage. And then they made it seem like these two exist in the same universe all the time. Like Spider-Man makes makes a joke about waiting for Superman to call, and Batman thinks he's a kid <laughs> and just dismisses him completely. And by the end of the book, you know – they they come up together and they and they stop and Spider-Man stands up for himself and they they stop the evil forces and at the end there's a mutual respect between the two of them but as far as them getting along like all the time I couldn't see it happen because I mean although their origins are similar in a you know in a way I mean Spider-Man is surrounded by constant tragedy and he uses humor and his responsibility, just like Bruce has, but his he, he uses humor to deflect it all. And, he, and you know, people in the comic in comics bring that up to him all the time. Like, you never shut up. You always make these awful mm -hmm. jokes. And he's like, well, because I'd break down and cry otherwise. And that's the way that he deals with it. Whereas Batman and Bruce like is foreboding, and he and he withdraws to in, in with himself and and shuts out all those doors. Peter makes those connections with people. Yes. So the two of them, I feel, would. You know, if they were in the same room together and they were having a discussion, their philosophies might be completely different. Oh, I agree. I, I definitely feel Batman's inwardly directed and Spider-Man's outwardly. Yeah. Yeah. Bobby, what are you... Um, you know, I think... I mean, I agree with Justin. I mean, I think that they have sort of similar origins, but, it, you know, Peter's comes at a different time in his life as well. Peter's comes at when he's, he's a teenager, when he's forming who he is, and there's already a... a um, a, a nurture, you know, to to his life. He's already been raised by these people, and 
he's not doing what he does out of revenge. He's not doing out of his, of the sense of like, I, I need justice. He, he's more of his, his drive comes from, he feels culpable for what happened. He feels guilty for what happens. And every day he goes out there to try to make up for the mistake that he made. You know, Bruce, it, Bruce's whole life, Bruce's whole character is created by that the moment in which his parents are killed in front of him. There, there is no Bruce Wayne before that moment happens. You know, he's he's a kid. Maybe he has a life. Maybe he has a childhood. But from the moment that happens on, he is a completely different person. the The character of Batman. He takes up that name and persona when he's older, but that character is be- the seed of the birth of that character is that moment, mm-hmm. and so they are they are put through different, completely different things. Also, the fact that Bruce is so driven to do what he does, he leaves in civilization for however many years to become this character, and you know Peter is kind of like I'm just gonna fake it till I make it is kind of what Peter's objective is. So they have very different ways of dealing with the world. And I feel like Batman, one of the things, the best things I think about Peter's character, the most emotional things about Peter's character is that when something bad happens, he feel it's like that moment with uncle Ben all over again, every time something happens and that, that need and for things to be right is huge with him. And I feel like it's less about putting away criminals and there's more about keeping everyone safe. And I feel like it's a little bit different with Batman. He always wants to keep people safe, but I feel like it's very much more about attacking the underbelly of this world. So that for me, that's the difference between the two. Steph, how about you? Um, Just the difference between their origins and what makes them. What what sort of, what makes them tick and how similar or dissimilar you think they are? Um, yeah, I don't know. Like, I just don't think either. There's obviously similarities that you can draw up. Um, but, I mean, they're different in almost every way. Um, every superhero seems to have a really dark backstory. Uh, but, yeah, it's... They all have the same goal in mind in the sense of, you know, they don't want crime. They want to protect their city. Um, but, you know... Peter still seems to want happiness for himself and he wants love in his life. Whereas Bruce has kind of resigned himself to just fighting crime and he's resigned himself to just being miserable and kind of brooding over um, what's gone on, what's happened to him for, you know, forever. And he takes in little moments of solace, uh, but you know, Peter still has hope. Peter is hope. And uh, Bruce's vengeance. There you go. What about you, Bob? Uh, well, I, as I said, to throw in with Justin, it's that their aims are the same, but their methods are different. Batman, mm-hmm. Denny O'Neill said this long ago, that Batman has not grown emotionally. Bruce Wayne has not grown emotionally from that moment. It's an eight-year-old's version of revenge. Mm -hmm. I think at the moment he takes up that mantle, Bruce Wayne ceases to exist. Mm. He is Batman 24-7 and plays it being Bruce Wayne because he has to. Peter uses Spider-Man as a tool to help him get what he wants, but he is still Peter Parker. He is still the, the little boy raised by Aunt May and Uncle Ben. And he is making up for what he did wrong, or feels he did wrong. Mm-hmm. So we're all, I think, on the same plane yeah. here. Yeah, uh, absolutely. I want absolutely. to just jump uh, jump in with something. I mean, uh, Stephanie mentioned hope, and whatever you think of about the movie, The Amazing Spider-Man Two, I thought the the one of the best lines in a superhero movie that I've heard yet is in Gwen's speech. She says, "My wish for you is to become hope," mm-hmm. and he's listening to it, and like that's what he that's what he stands for. Mm-hmm. I thought that that was yeah. like an absolutely amazing line that just really stood out in that movie. Yeah, and I mean, I, I think that it's a, a testament to that both characters being, I mean, they're honestly probably the two most popular characters in modern mm-hmm. fiction in, yeah. in most yeah. ways. I mean, there is obviously others, but I mean, they are huge, unbelievably giant characters, 
and they come from two very, very different backgrounds and mean two very different things. And I think it's illustration of how broad even the mainstream comic world can be with those two. Yes. Um, that was Jorge, by the way. Oh, thank you, Jorge. Ask that question. <laughs> um, do you have any others, Bob, that you want to? Sure. I hope you're looking up the names. I am. Good for that. Okay, so someone asked about the sort of split. It might might be Joseph, now that I think of this, okay. where you might love their creator-owned work, but not ah, so yes. much the licensed or vice versa. Mm-hmm. Where you Okay, let's say on Jonathan Hickman, you might love... East is east is west. East of west. East of west. That was close. You were missed very a conjunction, close. but can't love that. But can't read the Avengers or back and forth. That's a good question. Yeah. So Pacino asked that question. Oh, okay. Thank you, Chris. <laughs> um, I don't know. Is there someone for you like that? I need to think for a second. Okay. Okay. Uh, Stephanie, what about you? Um. Hmm. I would say like. I mean, I haven't read Fantastic Four and FF yet. Still. Um, but I think at one point Matt Fraction might have fallen in that category um, for me. But I mean, I feel like now there's quite a bit that I've gone back and read of his that I'm like, yeah, this guy might be legit. <laughs> Um, I, um, I mean, for me, I think it's not, it's tough for me because I think I'm right with you, Stephanie. It's tough for me to find a character, somebody who I just really don't like one, one or the other. For me, like I, I loved Animal Man, and I really liked Green Arrow, but they don't hold a candle to the creator own stuff that Jeff Lemire does to me. You know that that stuff is so above and beyond. It's my favorite stuff in the world. That comparatively, the superhero stuff is just not as good to me. And it, I, I, I still really like it, but comparatively, I just, I don't know. They just the the creator own stuff goes far and away for me. I'll jump in. Um, same thing. Like I can't find somebody that I, if I don't like them, I'm not going to like anything that they mm. write. But I'm looking over at my shelf, and my eyes went to Scott Snyder. Uh, I have American Vampire, I, and I have his Batman stuff. And I happen to like the Batman stuff, the Black Mirror, his New Fifty Two stuff. I happen to like that stuff much more. So I had to choose between: should I get more Scott Snyder created known stuff, which is American Vampire, mm. or would I like to see him stay on the superhero realm? For me, I want to see him stay with the superheroes. For me, it's it's I'm mostly a big superhero property kind of guy, but that said, I like Brubaker's Captain America, but Fatal, that's who w- I, was was better for me. Just came into my mind when yeah. I looked down at Daredevil, <laughs> and uh, so those sort of things, it becomes an it's not as much, but it's it's just all you people are saying. If you like a writer, you like what they do. Mm-hmm. It's just maybe on this particular book, you're better suited for. Long form, big, crazy stories. I think Jonathan Hickman, for instance, who I really like—I'm not liking the Avengers as much as I like mm. Fantastic Four—but that long form thing, three years worth of story, plays out better on that larger canvas than on the small. Mm. Where I'm always of the opinion some of those need to be shorter, mm. more concise, more Mickey Spillane than Walt Whitman. Uh, Seventy. Well, let's come back to you now. You, you said Matt Fraction, but you gone back to you have anybody else? Nothing that's coming to mind at the moment. Um, I'm trying, but mm, all right. I don't know. What's funny for me is like it's even for me. It's more I think character based. Like it seems like it doesn't matter who writes the Hulk. I just can't get into reading a Hulk comic book. Mm -hmm. I mean, I I I tried Jason Aaron. You know, I I I tried. I tried Mark Wade, both writers that I incredibly love, and I could not get into either of their Hulk stuff, really. Yeah, same thing. I, I picked up Jason Aaron and Mark Wade. I mean, that was my intro into the Hulk. Cause, like, mm. I've never read a Hulk book before, and these two, two terrific writers, and I just couldn't get into it. I thought of another, like, same thing with Scott Snyder, is Rick Remender. Okay. Like, Rick Remender yeah. writes amazing stuff both ways, but if I had to choose between Marvel and DC... Or creator owned. I'm gonna go creator owned mm. every time with Remender. Right. Yeah. So yeah, I, I, and I'm sure there's ones out there that I that I I probably that that's probably the case for that I like their one or the other more, but I can't really think of them. If there's a writer I really love, I tend to like both. And just mm-hmm. there's usually one I prefer more than the other. Like, and I you know I'm similar in some ways with Matt Fraction. Like, 
I mean, I think Hawkeye is genius. And I thought his Fantastic Four stuff was great. And, I, you know, I, I thought his Defender stuff was great. But to me, like, when he's completely unbridled, that's when he's best. Like, I'd rather read him doing books like Sex Criminals than him doing even his best superhero mm-hmm. stuff. So, and I mean, that's very close because I mean, he, he's amazing yeah. in, in both ways. But, yeah. So, uh, this one is from, uh, uh, this is from Part-Time Powers, James Hammond. He says, uh, one... Name one real historic figure worthy of joining the Avengers and one for them to fight. Hmm. Bob, can you give us one? A real life hero. Yes. Amelia Earhart. Okay. Oh, you stole mine! Out <laughs> <laughs> of all the characters, yeah. <laughs> both of Amelia Earhart. That's amazing. She could fly the Quinjet. It's true. You know? And someone you could fight. Look, everyone, they should all fight Hitler. I mean, come on. I mean, yeah. I, I go back to those old World War II comics. That's always pretty good. I, so there, there's no more Hitler. Putin. Putin. Vladimir Putin. <laughs> fight him. It would be a very short fight, Bob. I don't know if Putin could stand up to the Avengers. Also, Hitler has a bigger army. Yeah, so we'll yeah. go back with Hitler. <laughs> Justin, you got anything for us? The first character that came to mind was Abraham Lincoln. <laughs> I <don't> awesome. Know. <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea why. He and Cap would really get along yeah, well if he yeah, could. Yeah. Uh, fighting. Um, I don't know. I, I mean, I'll go back further. Let's say, let's say the like one of the the pharaohs okay. in Egypt fighting. Oh, got his staff, and he's like, what, what around? Yeah, like maybe do like magical stuff. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Like Cleopatra. Yeah. <laughs> The, the, like the hordes of Egypt right. like, against the Avengers and Abraham Lincoln. <laughs> <laughs> I want to see this book. This who, do we get to, who do we get to draw this? this? Amazing. I'm copyright this. Okay. Yeah. Um, well, it might be just because I just watched uh, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, but um, Joan of Arc fighting <laughs> with the Avengers <laughs> against Napoleon and his forces. Yeah. Stephanie, what do you got? It's not as good as uh, we know. We can talk Justin. No. <laughs> Steve Irwin <laughs> fighting. Um, the. Are you just gonna keep making noises till you this, think of a name? Yes. <laughs> He's fighting the oil tycoons who are Nazis. <laughs> I think. Oh, you should have gone with uh, Bear Grylls. Yeah, <laughs> Steve Irwin, Bear Grylls, and the uh, Avengers thrown in there too. I don't watch that, but that. I do I. Okay, or we could do like Audrey Hepburn, and she was an ambassador, but secretly she was like a goodwill ambassador to the innocent. But meanwhile, on at night, she was a super spy, and <laughs> she would take out, um, you know, targets um, in the countries she was visiting. Uh, so that For the people, <laughs> yeah, so the the people that she was, you know, trying to help would get further help by the warlords being taken out. Who are stealing all the food? Yeah, <laughs> she was basically like Robin Hood. Yeah, yeah, yep. Okay, I like that. All right, I like it. All right, this is from Das on the forum. It says I've been to NYCC three times, and I'm looking to go to another convention that's a little less crowded. What conventions would you recommend going to? Emerald City. <laughs> oh, actually, you know what? I'm going to say Emerald City, but if you want to do, like, specifically just comics, Emerald City has, like, a nice mix, but everything's kind of spaced out. Um, but if you really just want comics and just creators, Heroes Con. Mm. Um, Heroes 100%, 100% Heroes Con. Is it's, North Carolina? Yeah. Ah, okay. Uh, and Char- uh, yeah. Charlotte? Maybe. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. yeah. Um, the aisles are huge. You never feel claustrophobic. Um, nice. And you can just walk around. And it has all kinds of amazing things. It has a great art auction. Um, it always has amazing guests. And it's, honest to goodness, one of my favorite shows ever. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Well, well, my flip answer would be Icon because it's canceled, <laughs> so there'll be nobody there. <laughs> But Mike Carbonero, who used to run the Big Apple shows, which were once a month in New York, usually at the Penn Pavilion across from Madison Square Garden, is running another convention during, I think it's early next year, it's March. They're very creator-driven, very book dealer-driven, so it's old, very old-fashioned show. 
mm. lots of chances to get sketches and have celebrity autographs and auctions and things like that. And that's always fun. And even though it's big compared to everything else, the special edition show that Reed Pop did last year was really kind of neat in the same way. It was a big version, one of those old shows. It was all artists and writers. Mm-hmm. And t- all artists. It was a convention of artist alley and comic book sellers. Mm. Cool. 60,000 people were there or whatever it was, right, but right. not as crazy as NYCC. Yeah. Um, there's a little one, um, the, the MOCA Con, which is the... Uh, museum of... Uh, it's... Like illustrator yeah. museum, um, they do. It's it's much smaller. Obviously, it's here in New York. Um, it, it's much smaller. It's much more obscure. But it's a great place to go if you're just interested in in seeing kind of up and coming or very classic artists. Um, and and you can get your hands on some really beautiful stuff if you if you go there. And it's always very small. It's you know it, it's very personal and intimate. So yeah, I've only been to NYCC. Only been to the biggest of the big. I've only been yeah. there. If you want to go to a smaller one, go to San Diego. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Drop the mic. Um, any more form questions from you, Bob? Sure. Uh, this one I definitely uh, have only limited opinions on, but everyone else probably has something better. Anyone reading and enjoying the season ones or earth ones, the various sort of one-shot recapitulations of origins and alternate world stuff? Yeah, I... um. I haven't read many of the season ones. I actually, um, I checked out the reviews for most of them, and they were kind of poor for the most part for the Marvel ones. Mm-hmm. I mean, there were some okay ones, uh, but the one that got the best review was Doctor Strange, right. and I picked that up, and I enjoyed that immensely. Uh, the Earth 2 ones, um, the I read both versions of Superman, and I read the Batman one, and waiting forever for that Wonder Woman one to come yeah. out. Uh, at NYCC, they showed art uh, artwork from uh, Batman Earth 2. I like them. I mean, I like the Batman one much more than I like the Batman Superman Earth one. one two. You mean? Yeah. Oh, is it Earth? I Earth one right. two. Yeah. They have Earth two as a separate thing. Sorry, yeah, 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 yeah. it's Earth one. Um, I like the Batman one a lot. Yeah, it, I, it was a much different take on the Batman mythos, and I think like I have yet to see Gotham, but just from spending eight hours a day with Rob and Hugh at NYCC <laughs> and hearing them quote Alfred nonstop, they got their Alfred from this Earth one one for yeah. sure. Mm. But like I enjoy it. the Doctor Strange one. I can definitely recommend, and the Batman one I definitely recommend. Yeah. Superman one's good. Okay. Yeah, I um, Stephanie, have you read any of them? Uh, no, I haven't. I own all of them, <laughs> um, but I haven't read them yet. <laughs> yeah, I feel the same way about the season ones. I just I except for the Doctor Strange one, which I, I have but haven't read yet. They've got kind of poor reviews, so I have I haven't really checked them out, but. Uh, yeah, I agree with you. I think the Batman Earth One stuff was really good. Uh, I, I love that that Jeff Johns, Gary Frank, uh, first graphic novel, and I enjoyed the 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 Shane Davis, J. Michael Straczynski, Superman Earth One. I haven't read the the second. I think the second. I, I liked the second one more than the first. Yeah, the, it didn't feel as different as the Batman one did. No. And the whole point of it is to be different, so uh, it, it felt a little bit you know, muddy to me because of that. Uh, we were getting the Jeff Lemire did a Teen Titans Earth One that's coming out mm. this year, I believe. That's cool. And obviously, in some point in the next ten years, we'll get the Grant Morrison, yeah. um, Yannick Paquette Wonder Woman Earth One uh, if it ever ever happens. But uh, I I think those books are more interesting because they're telling new stories, whereas the Marvel ones seem to be re- rehashing <laughs> yeah. origins, which yeah. I think is great if you want to get a quick a quick recap on the origins. I think it's a good idea. Um, but I, I think for comic book fans who have all those stories in their head already, they seem not to be doing very much. For yeah, people. But the thing is, like, they started with, I think the first one they released was either X Men or Fantastic Four. X Men, Fantastic Four, I think was next, and mm-hmm. then Spider Man came after that. And it's yeah. like most people know these origins. What interested me was the Doctor Strange one because I had never really read a Doctor yeah. Strange comic. Mm-hmm. It would make sense, I think, with all these next movies coming out, if they did. did I feel like for some reason they have an Ant Man. They one. do have do an Ant Man one? one. Okay, they do. Yeah. yeah. So it'd be interesting to see characters like, hey, let's get a Moon Knight one. Let's get some of these other lesser characters that people aren't overly familiar with, and it's like, hey, here's a fifteen dollar intro to this character if you want to read it. There's a there's another point, honestly. Yeah. Because they're recapitulations, I don't want to spend twenty five bucks. And I'm not a, I'm not a cheapskate, but twenty five bucks mm. for a very slim book on those season ones. Yeah, yeah. fifteen dollar trade would be just fine. Mm-hmm. 
I totally agree with that. Absolutely. Um, Nick Guerrero wants to know, has there ever been a Comic-Con cruise? If not, why not? Seems to me a con on a cruise ship would be awesome. Would you go? Stephanie. No. <laughs> um, uh, well, maybe. It depends on where it would go. Hmm. Who Someone would be shark. on it. But like at the same time, I guess it would be like how long that cruise would be. Because... I can't imagine a week with like like San Diego week of drinking and partying and creators and geeks on a self-contained vessel on the water that I can't escape from. <laughs> Tough enough in a hotel, right? Little yeah. on on a boat. I do not like this idea. It's making me anxious. <laughs> uh, just what about you? I hate cruises. <laughs> so I've been on one cruise and I was good for me. Uh, I like the idea of like a retreat, like maybe like a retreat. The first thing that See, came, the first, thing that, first thing that came to mind was Con Crud. I'm like, oh yeah, that would be bad. Like if cruise ships, you'd are be dead already, by the time you got yeah, yeah. Cruise ships are already known for that type of stuff. Yeah. So I was like, I can't escape. I'm going to get it, which amazingly I didn't get sick this time. That's crazy. So I was yeah. so excited about that. And then next year when I go to PAX, like, not getting sick like i'm I'm gonna prepare correctly this time so being on a cruise ship not being able to get away that seems like a bad idea yeah, i'm with you there i'd say i'd rather have a summer camp oh that would be fun oh yeah that'd be like cool cabins and yeah you panels and stuff and just wander room to room and do all sorts of stuff but very loose yeah 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 i mean the uh, i kind of agree with you guys. Weaving, the you idea know. of being <laughs> stuck on a ship with like a hundred thousand people i mean i don't know how people that'd be obviously a lot less than that on a cruise ship but <laughs> an aircraft <laughs> carrier, yeah, yeah, aircraft carrier. yeah like an aircraft carrier a battleship yeah. <laughs> um a battleship comic-con but the idea of not being able to get away uh is, is a scary thought you know because to be con I mean, you'd be constantly at a con and that is i think the most exhausting thought i've ever had in my life yeah. I mean, again, I'm sure that if they did if they did it like that, they would have to change it enough so that it would be something more relaxing, relaxing because <laughs> it's fun. a cruise and fun. Uh, but the thought of just like I just think about the constant like eight hours of walking, you know, across and people just packed onto a ship like that, oh. like trying to get off the Titanic <laughs> at the end. And with the way the ship moves, oh man, yeah, it'd be bad. It'd be and bad. then they hit an iceberg, and Celine Dion sings. It's getting worse <laughs> as we speak. It's getting absolutely worse. Uh, um, maybe on a train. No, what? That's even worse. I mean, I love trains. That's even worse. Yep, that's tiny like, and horrible. Like uh, Snowpiercer. Oh my god, please yeah, yeah. change the subject. I'm like gonna have anxiety and then I'm gonna pass out. <laughs> um, Dan Sims wants to know how nerdy was my wedding? Any good decorations, cake toppers, etc. Bob's speech was really well done, by the way. Um, you know, it wasn't that nerdy. I mean, other than Bob's um, <laughs> speech, which had some awesome. I was like, I, I was like, I guarantee you, within the first minute, there's a Fantastic Four reference. Rob and me were in, <laughs> in the crowd, and I was like, I'm putting, I'm putting down assemble at the end. We were like, we were like <laughs> placing bets, and he's like, No, Reed and Sue are coming up first. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, Yeah, you're probably right. <laughs> um, so there was that, which was awesome. Uh, but there's nothing really else that was that was really nerdy in, in, for the entire night. It was just kind of a, a, a normal party. Oh, abandoned Mexican wrestling masks. Yeah, but that was kind of more out there than nerdy. It wasn't like they yeah. were singing like, you know. Okay, they weren't singing Mexican wrestling theme songs no. like from Ship of Monsters <laughs> or something. But oh, yeah, okay. Yeah. Outre. It was out there, but yeah. it wasn't necessarily nerdy. Um, I mean, I gave everybody cufflinks and all my grooms in cufflinks and socks that were kind of merged their personality so my friend brian had like guardians of the galaxy socks on and steve had batman socks on and and stuff like that and uh, i gave my friend my best man brad i gave him donatello cufflinks and ninja turtle socks and stuff like that uh so that was kind of nerdy the nerdiest thing about all of this is not even anything to do with the wedding so i have my wedding ring on right and i've never really worn a ring before so it's a little bit weird um i i like it it's just a little bit strange I, i i like what is this feeling on my finger but every time I take it off and put it back on, I imagine that I'm putting the the one ring on my finger and then I disappear. So that is probably the nerdiest thing about my I wedding. Would have, for me, I would have said Greenland yes. ring. Yeah, yeah, no. You have the oath in your head. Yeah, but it's yeah. not. it doesn't shine or anything, but it feels like, you know, it feels like the one ring putting it on. 
I disappear and I'm gone. That's the the best thing you've ever said. And then the yeah. eye of Sauron is looking at me. <laughs> it's like, I see you. So that's what I think every time I put it on. So that's nerdy. Uh, but other than that, not it's a it's a lot of fun. My wedding was a lot of fun, but it's very I feel like very adult being married. <laughs> I went to open. We had to open a joint bank account today. That felt very grown up. I was like, yep, put both our names on it. Um, so that was, it's, it's, that was weird, <laughs> but in a good way, in a good way, in a very, very good way. It's, it's been an amazing, uh, I only amazing ever trip. feel like an adult when I go to Ikea and I get excited for that. Well, Stephanie, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you, you often don't do things that are in the best way adult cause it sucks to <laughs> be an adult. Um, you think about Ikea is 500 days of summer. Yes. <laughs> um, so this is from Snoopy Spook Spoopy Spoopy. <laughs> Come on, Spoopy Dalek Bobby. Uh, it says, "What do you think of Marvel still dismissing still dismissing fans' constant call for a Black Widow movie? She deserves one, right?" We, we talked about a little about this last week, but we didn't really get into it too much because we had a lot to talk about. Stephanie, what do you think? Um, I'm kind of like I, I honestly thought that would be the first choice, and it makes so much sense after we've spent so much time with Natasha. Um, but somebody pointed out to me that the cost to have Scarlett Johansson do a solo movie would be kind of outrageous or some shenanigans like that. Um, <laughs> but that doesn't make sense because I mean, like I feel like Robert Downey Jr. And Chris Hemsworth and all of them get paid a lot more than she does. I mean, she has a contract, so it, it, yeah. they, they have like set amount of movies. So yeah. whatever it is. Yeah. Um, so I don't know if how well that theory really holds up, but it could have been, we don't know. It might have been her decision to not do like the Black Widow movies. She might have had other obligations that just didn't allow her to film a solo f- movie for the next phase. Um, and I, I think, you know, as disappointed as fans are that they aren't getting a solo Black Widow film, um, I think that the choice for Captain Marvel to be the first female um, on screen for them is a really wise choice. We we really have had a lot of screen time with Natasha uh, so far, and um, as great as she is, you know, ultimately this would be the born identity with um, ScarJo. Yeah, and Captain Marvel is bringing the superhero element, the real. Um, this is, you know, someone with powers side to. Um, Marvel, and I think that's kind of more what they want to showcase in their films. Um, you know, don't get me wrong, I'm all for a Black Widow movie happening, but at the same time, when you're about superheroes and you try and give um, a non superhero a superhero film, that just, you know, how, how do you do that? Yeah, I, I think for me, I, I think that if they made a Black Widow solo movie, they, they do to it, which something that I, I feel like I wouldn't want them to do, which they would, I think they would feel the need to make it a big, huge, bombastic movie. And what I want to see out of a Black Widow film would be something smaller and more personal and more clandestine and, and, and stuff like that. And I feel like almost she's better suited to, let's say, like one of those like Netflix television shows mm-hmm. as a character than, than a solo movie. And also, I mean, they, they've said this, I think Feige said this, he said, you know, the place is kind of, because there's no Hawkeye movie announced either, there was no Hulk movie announced, which I think people were very surprised there is no Hulk movie announced for Phase 3. And Feige said those three characters, kind of, they kind of get their most exposure and their most time is going to be in the Avengers movies. That's where they kind of, those are their movies uh, as much, and they'll be focused on more in those movies than the other characters will be. And I, I think that Look, you have to. You can, you can only do so much, right? Yeah. And I feel like they've tried with the Hulk two times to varying degrees of success. You know, uh, like uh, Bob. I know you love the Incredible Hulk movie. I think it's good, but I still think like it. I, I feel like that story. You're always waiting for the Hulk to oh, sure. to come out. So I feel like him and the Avengers works better, right? And I feel like the same thing with Natasha seeing her play off these other characters. It's the only way she works in a big movie. You know, putting her in a big movie on herself, I don't think works just because of the character, not because Scarlett Johansson can't carry it or because she doesn't deserve one. Just that character needs something a little bit more smoky and and in in the shadows. Mm-hmm. So I'll say, and also, it's always more exciting to do new characters. 
You know, like I'm less excited about the Thor movie because I've already seen two Thor movies. So much more excited about the ones that I haven't never seen movies for. Yeah. It's just nice to have, if we had a Black Widow movie in place of Captain Marvel, Mm. we would have one female character still Mm. in the, you know, the the Marvel film universe with Captain Marvel. Now we have two Mm. and two varying degrees. You know, one's a superhero and one is a, you know, spy assassin government agent. So it's nice to just like, have both of them. I if I had to have the the choice, I would easily take another female character over Black Widow. Yeah, I, I think what you end up with, unfortunately, no matter what story you try to tell with the Black Widow, you're going to end up with, as Stephanie says, born or wanted or salt mm. or it's going to be like something we've seen before. Whereas, just you're saying, Justin, taking Captain Marvel, a character with superpowers and super strength and can fly through the air and all these other things, well, we haven't seen this. Hmm. I haven't seen this at all, so let's let's go for somewhere new. They continue to strike new ground with that. So I think in Cap 3, there's going to be tons of Natasha. <laughs> I mean, it's all going to be about secret stuff. I got to tell you, Hugh Perry wants to know what we think is beyond Phase 3 of the MCU. And I got to tell you, Hugh, you got to just shut up for right now because that's we have it like <laughs> 10 years from now. I, I, I saw that question and I was yeah. sitting thinking about like, I don't know where they could, like, where do you go next? Yeah. After the, like, their biggest story is the Infinity Gauntlet. Where yeah. do you go? Secret War? Like, yeah. Secret Wars maybe? Who knows? It's funny because they, Ant-Man was supposed to be the lead off of Phase 3. Now it's been kind of roped back into the end of Phase 2 because it wasn't even in that big picture that they showed. Um, so let's close it out with this question. Um Halloween was last week, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, what has been your favorite best costume that you've worn ever on, on a Halloween? Bob. This, and Sammy says, mm-hmm. can't wait to hear Bob. So you got some pressure. Okay. Well, it, it was Halloween, but it wasn't worn on Halloween. Okay. It, it, had, a, it had a sequel appearance. <laughs> I, as you people have seen, I'm fairly thin. I was much thinner. If that's hard to believe, but I really was. And I got a whole Grim Reaper cloak and a full skull mask. I had one, a Sith, a plastic one, mm. but a really good looking one. And I went to a party and it was good and fun. We watched every gory bit I could clip from old videotapes and watched heads exploding and throat slit and whatever. And it was a couple of weeks later, a friend of mine's younger sister were babysitting my friend Robert's little guy. He was about three years old then. And he lived out in, in the woods out here on the island of Calverton and this apartment complex down a hill at the bottom in the dark. So it was her birthday. So I went with her other sister to this house, got dressed in the car. We brought pizza. I was a nice enough guy to bring pizza. Walked down this dark hill, unscrewed the light bulb, and started knocking on the door. I am going to knock on the... <laughs> Who is it? She opened the door. Her other sister screwed the light back in quickly. I am now standing under the light in the dark with this skull mask that no one's ever seen me in. And I start, she screamed. The little boy screamed and ran down the hall like E.T. Ah! Hands up in the air. Her, she started punching me in the head and the chest. It was like pizza flew everywhere. That was my best Halloween. <laughs> we shouldn't let Bob go first. I should never <laughs> that, let him would, go first. Yeah, that should have been the end. Yeah. Um, I'm not going to say it was a it wasn't a Halloween costume as well, but um, we had Jorah. We threw my son a Pixar party, uh, so we rolled through. Caught me and Andrew trying mm. to roll through costumes and costumes and costumes. Anyway, we got a a really good Wreck It Ralph and Vanellope von Schweech together. Those aren't Pixar movies, Justin. Yeah, I know. Get they're your, in the Disney store. Lose your nerd. <laughs> it, counts. it counts if they're in the Disney Doesn't store. Count. Nope. It counts. Not I would argue that they do because Wreck It Ralph was like the Pixar movie, and then Brave was like the Disney movie. And it was like the year that they swapped. Pixar. Not huh? produced by Pixar. Doesn't count. No, I'd, I'd argue. <laughs> Finish that your right. story. What? Finish your story. No, that was it. We just we we, we had like a, a really nice costume party with all the mm. kids and stuff. And you know, when you're a parent, you kind of just throw out those little details out the window. It's like, <laughs> oh, my sister's like, well, I want to come as like. Wendy and Peter Pan. It's like, does it fall under the Disney category? Sure, go ahead. Like, whatever you want. It was a Disney party, then that that works. She wanted to say Pixar party. It was like, oh, whatever you want. Alliteration. You'll learn that. Whatever you (laughs) want. 
Stephanie, what's your favorite? Are you gonna actually talk about a Halloween costume or talk about a non-Halloween costume like these two guys? I do like dressing up. I know you do. It's every um, day. Every day, though. Yeah. yeah. Is it dress up for Steph? <laughs> um, I think my favorite costume, um, has been. Let's see. Last year was super fun for me because I was Melody from Josie and the Pussycats with my friend awesome. Danny, who was Josie, and um, we didn't have a vow, but we just like wandered around and we we're at like the the Silver Snail Party where I will be, where I will have been <laughs> on Halloween, um, uh, and uh, it was like. People would come up to us, and I was like, anytime someone was like, oh, my God, you guys saw Josie and the Pussycats, like, where's Val? And I'd be like, oh, she's in the bathroom. And anytime anyone would ask, like, Danny, though, Danny would take it to, like, this extreme, and Danny would be like, she's dead. And I'm like, Danny. <laughs> and, like, every now and again, Danny would be like, she's dead in my basement. And I'm like, Danny. She's like, what? I don't have a basement. And I'm like, well, they don't know that. Um, but it was a lot of fun to do, and... And I got to carry around drumsticks and run around in that costume. And that was lots of fun. So, um, and Josie and the Pussycats, Melody has been one of my like favorite characters for a long time. So getting to do that was awesome. Um, yeah, I'd say that. Nice. Awesome. Um, let's see. For me, it's probably stuff because a couple Halloweens ago is the, the time where Karen and I like met and stuff and so i remember that one like the biggest and i was i was dexter morgan uh yeah, from dexter that year and <laughs> i uh i she was claire redfield from the resident evil series and i uh i got her number that night and i called her and she never called me back oh <laughs> never called me back and then it was like six months later at our friend jay's 40th mm-hmm. birthday party that that she was there and we, we we met up again and started talking again um, so I remember that costume very, very fondly. Um, but <laughs> I'm going to go way, way back. When I was a kid, I was really into the Ninja Turtles. And my mom would always make our costumes. And I wanted to be, I think it was Michelangelo at the time, was was my favorite. And so she made me this Michelangelo costume. And she made it from scratch. But she sewed all the fabric. She made like a shell that like was came out and would look like a real shell. And it had like a mask and looked like it had the shape of the turtle's face. And I remember going to school that day and this kid who was there who was like a real jerk was always, it was really, really a jerk to me, was a, was a ninja turtle as well. And he just had like the plastic like thing on his oh. face and like a, like some like green face paint. And I felt like very, I still remember how how like I finally was like, ah, I gotcha on, on this one from, from that day. So those were probably my yeah. favorites. I have one that didn't turn out so well. It was one of Jackie's parties. Maybe it was the first one. I, as you've all heard over here, really into H.P. Lovecraft. And so I decided this one year I was going to do Herbert West. I have a slight facial resemblance to Jeffrey Combs in a way. So I bought some glasses, went for a friend of mine who's a nurse and got a real hospital lab coat, barred her, th- her stethoscope, had a Miskatonic University shirt on, brought my Necronomicon, which is actually here with me tonight, printed up fake ID tags. With Jeffrey Combs' picture and library passes, had syringes with glow-in-the-dark green goop in it and bottles. And I'm at Jackie's party, and I'm feeling really great about myself. And some guy walks up, I got it, you're Doc Brown from Back to the Future. Yes. (laughs) I was crushed. I went and hid in the living room for the next hour. (laughs) That was a good costume. It was just not a lot. Sometimes people don't get everybody's costume. (laughs) Yeah, it was not good. I was was hurt by that. All right, that's going to wrap up our listener question show with Bob being hurt. So it's yes. a good way to good way to end it. Um, if you guys want to get in touch with us, it's podcast at TalkingComicBooks.com, at TalkingComics on Twitter, and Facebook.com slash TalkingComics. I am at Bobby Shortle on Twitter. Stephanie. I'm at HelloCookie. Justin. I'm at Jorok, J-O-R-O-A-K. Bob, email address. Bob Ryer at TalkingComicBooks.com. Um, thank you guys for listening that's going to wrap up our listener questions show make sure you guys tune in next week when we do our Hellboy uh, book club Seed of Destruction uh, catch up read that with that because we're going to we are going to spoil it in the next mm-hmm. week but if you don't care either just it's, it'll be a good discussion so l- listen on with that and then the week after that we'll be back with a, a regular show and I'll be back from my honeymoon right now when you guys are listening to this I am in California and 
I'm glad to be there. So. Yes. <laughs> um, I hope you guys are having a great time doing whatever you're doing. Um, but and thank you guys so much. We, we had a, a kind of a, kind of a weird couple of weeks with me getting married and stuff. Things have been a little off schedule at different shows. Thank you guys for your continued support and and interest in the show. And even when you say, oh my God, I can't believe it's, it's only this kind of show and not this kind of show. Um, it means something because it means you guys miss us and you want us to be there. So thank you guys so, so much for that. But that's going to do it for this episode of the Talking Comics Podcast. For Bob. Good night. Justin. Until next time. And Stephanie. Bye. I have been Bobby. Until next time on Talking Comics. To be continued. Continued.